All right, all right, all right. We are back again for another episode of the Southern Arrow Podcast. Uh, as always, I am here, your host, Cliff Cannon. Um, got the, uh, I mean, I got some guys who are just tried and true, are always going to be here for me, and I appreciate them. Um, we'll start with my boy Jamie right here beside me, hanging out. Hey, y'all. This is Jamie Wilkinson. Um, they all know who you are by now, so you can just yeah. say it's just Jamie, right? <laughs> just hanging out. All right, we'll start, with the, we'll start with the guy, with the pretty guy on the screen. Go ahead, Mike. Well, hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, season's done here in Illinois, so not a whole lot I've been doing, but working. Started a new job working for a garbage hauling company. Haul garbage from one place to another. And I like to get out and do some shed hunting, but weather. You need not to have- go find my sheds. I know you need I'm to go crying, find, buddy. Hey, I tell you what, if 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 the weather gets right, if you tell me the time, I might sneak. I, we may, I might sneak up. Me and Lisa might come up. We just go walk. I'm not saying I, I've really thought about it, like just slipping up there. It's a ten hour drive. I mean, I can do it. We'll slip up there on Friday night. We'll hunt to do it Saturday and come home Sunday. Maybe. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure because I don't know what her schedule is. Because you know, she has plans for me that I don't know about during uh, not deer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you need to go find my sheds and and so if you've what listened you to episode number two you know i missed a gigantic deer so you know that um my buddy is supposed to go find my sheds from that giant deer because i don't think he was ever killed um at least we're hoping he wasn't because that song was well, big I hunted that spot two other times. I never saw him, so. Well, that's just because I spooked the shit out of him, and he'll probably never come back to that spot again. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> John, tell him hello, man. Howdy, 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 guys. How's it going tonight? John, tell him your last name, because they, they might have forgot. You've only been on a couple of times. Uh, John Mabry. Uh, up here in southern West Virginia. Southern West Virginia. My big boy, Hunter. I do like I do like to eat. I do love to hunt. Well, we all like to do those things. What's up, Hunter? Man, how are you, man? Oh, great, man! Trying to make it home. I cut out on y'all. Apologize. I'm pulling into my little town right now. So you getting out of work late today? Yeah, well, no, not really. I had to stop and get some gas, get some food for the the woman and the kid at home so uh running a little bit behind okay all right no break no big deal man if you cut out just log back in when you get to the house ain't no big deal ain't no big deal at all and my other buddy chris what's up dude how are you what's going on guys i'll just check just got done checking trail cameras moving trail cameras did you stuff like that yeah Yeah, i've got moved two of them to uh two hawk pins i got them going up again uh season ends from us in area six in uh february 15th so i got a few more days to stick on with my bow are you gonna are you, are you are you working on are you still gonna try to make a you gonna make a last weekend buck so chris are you gonna hunt yeah, the last weekend hunt, for sure uh, yes sir yeah i, yes, I got i got my 
this freaking lag is is it's not your fault it's my fault i this, but this lag is killing me i got to figure this this lag out cuz i'm stepping on top of you i'm sorry i am so sorry that i'm doing it but i'm stepping on you cuz i'm trying to ask you a question no you're good you're good well i know but i'm trying to ask you a question at the same time you're it's it's got a lag between when you say it and when it shows up on the you know when it comes through the mixer so it it's, it just sounds horrible I, I apologize to you and i apologize to the people who put up with us because god knows we can mess this up anyway um yeah so you got this this is y'all's last weekend right uh yes that is correct well tuesday will be the last day but i'll be stuck at work yeah well i don't know why they close it on the they always close it in the middle of the week like <laughs> take the week all of a sudden yeah. i got covid <laughs> you know i got covid too i got covid monday and tuesday man i can't come in you know <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, so you got anything? I mean, are you? Are we just going out there to just, like, shoot whatever we see, or are you still hunting a target deer? No, uh, my target deer skyline is coming in, uh, and he's coming in kind of – now he's getting back during 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and he's pushing right at the 5 o'clock. So I'm, I haven't hunted this area in quite a while. Um, he looks kind of run down, so maybe he did rut, and maybe I missed it all together. Yeah. Like I just kept saying, I thought we didn't even have a rut yet, but he kind of looked run down, but he could have went somewhere else down the road Yeah, where I knew people were saying they were chasing. But uh, he's finally coming back out, and he was for a while coming in regularly in the early mornings. So I'm going to try to sneak in about an hour and a half to, hell, even two hours maybe if I can, mm-hmm. and uh, wait for him. Because if I get in there, you know, 30 minutes before daylight, you know, I know he's never going to step out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's You can be – yeah, you got to you gotta get in there early enough that the woods can settle back down. I agree. Hunter, is your season still open? Are you in the same area as Chris, or, or are y'all over? Uh, no, we, we still have this weekend left. Um, I am the dates on what's oh yeah so Tuesday it'll close Tuesday um, yeah, yeah same time for Friday y'all Friday and Saturday for sure more than likely okay all right. Well, I was just curious. I, I didn't know. I know for me, Michael, and John, the season is long past. So there is there is nothing else to do now except prepare for next year. You know. So let me ask y'all this. Um, do y'all like? Yeah, Hunter, you're you're man. You sound. I don't even know what the. You sort of sound like somebody who don't know how to play a guitar. Like if somebody had an, like if I had an electric guitar and I didn't know because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with an electric guitar. That's exactly what I would. What you sound like is exactly what I think I would sound like. So that riff is bad. So you, we may not hear from we may not hear from you again till you get back to cell service land. <laughs> that was pretty bad. But uh, anyway, what I was what I was thinking about, you know, we were talking about, you know, I try to give a topic. Um, in the text message just to sort of you know generate the conversations that we may be able to have um you know as we as we go forward um and just you know to give us some kind of centralized topic something to talk about so what i was you know, sort of thinking about was you know the season's basically over i mean it, it's not completely but it's for most everybody except for chris and hunter it's pretty much over the question that i sort of have for everybody is um what did you learn about deer hunting this year that you think you can take to 
to next year that'll make you better? Was it, you know, even is it stand, you know, stand placement, entry and exit routes, you know, because everybody's got a specific piece of property. So I got different properties that I hunt. And for those properties, I'm trying to think, you know, why? So what did I take away from this season? What mistakes did I make or whatever that made me feel like if I make these changes this year or for next year, you know, that I learned from this year, what changes can I make that are going to make me successful next year? So those are sort of some of the questions that I was asking because I think it generates good topic. Um, I think that, you know, anybody who's listening to this podcast can probably um, look back on the season and think, well, these are some of the things that I probably didn't do right or that I could certainly do better um, that will make me a more successful hunter next year, you know? So um, I tell you what, I'm going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with John, if, if John's available. John, you got anything you can input on that? Yeah, um, you know, something that I've noticed the topic come up about, you know, certain states um, banning the use of trail cameras and things like that. But for me, um, using my trail cameras has actually provided me with an opportunity to to know when, you know, especially during the peak of the rut, um, it helps me to. pattern yeah you know in the mountains um up here you know it, we're on it's not as you know you'll go up a ridge you know you're 2500 3000 feet on top of a mountain i mean and on one side of the ridge it's a straight drop off so you've got thin ridges on these mountains that these deer use as travel corridors and then you've got gaps in these mountains um that they try to utilize so you know these trail camera placements that i've been playing with the last few years on this property has really helped me as far as knowing the lower spots in the mountain the lower gaps where the deer are going to travel mm-hmm. um and then also seeing that those peak movement times especially for them butts them bucks in the pre-rut you know it's usually about 10 a.m to 2 p.m i mean i get more action on my cameras in those times and you see a lot of folks leaving out of the woods you know by 11 11 30 and that's true i'm the kind of guy especially in the ruts i i'm there all day i mean i'm going to get in the tree and i'm going to stay there and i think the use of those trail cameras especially with the, the cell cams now where you can get those you know those uh, set it up that way yeah. it's helped me um, to kind of help pattern those deer know their movements a little better when they're moving um, things like that well I mean so I can I can say that that makes sense to me I don't know and I'm sure everybody's going to have so we're going to we're going to just like stay on topic as far as that but we're going to talk specifically about how we're using trail cameras to help us prepare for next year because I'll say this I've got multiple instances where I've had um let's say i've had really good daylight buck movement on the same day multiple years in a row maybe not the exact same location but the same day so like you know i was saying um i had a deer i called short twos um i had him daylighting in a place that you just would think a buck would not daylight like december the 2nd and then last year i also had deer daylighting in a place that you would not think that deer would be you know daylighting i'm talking about middle of the day i'm not talking about you know at 7 30 in the morning i'm talking about 11 o'clock 12 o'clock one o'clock in the in in the afternoon i'm talking about middle of the day daylight movement December yeah. 2nd and then I know that last year I had some deer that daylighted December the 2nd you know now 
that's not the same track, but it's about a half mile apart, maybe a mile apart. But being able, being able to see that that constant pattern exactly. You know, so now you, I've created a keep, pattern over the last two years. Yeah, you know, you create you a photo file on your laptop or desktop or whatever. That's right. Now you can go back from year to year to year, and you can almost see those days and those. T- yep, that's exactly right. So yeah, you can you know, see that. That's exactly yeah, right. They're checking for those, you know, to see if well, they're coming only in and coming off dough onto another day. At some point in time, the last couple of years, even on even though they're a half mile or a mile apart, there are does that are coming into estrus around December, around the first week of December. So historically, we've always said, well, our rut is not until the last week of December or the first week of January. But I'm seeing evidence, physical like video evidence or picture evidence, that there is something making a buck get up the middle, the, the, the second or third day of December, and he's showing he's putting himself in a very vulnerable place. He's walking down a logging road. At 11 o'clock in the daytime, there's very few things that'll get a buck up off his feet at 11 o'clock, except for a hot dough. Yeah, and that's what yeah, that's proof in the pudding on that because for like me it said, is I mean, yeah for me it those, is those deer are just not going to get up and make themselves seen or absolutely be mature four and five year old white tailed deer are not going to be moving around wonder if it's no, got and it's sometimes it's such a small window that you've got that's right to catch those deer on their feet you know yeah so well, well, I, I use that I use that year mm-hmm being the exact same spot but you know that those days and those times, bucks are up on their feet. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah, guess where I'll be December 2nd next year? Yeah. I'll be in a freaking tree somewhere. Yeah. It's like the first or second is when muzzleloader season opens, gun, first gun season closes. You know, I, because I only bow hunt, I really don't keep up with when the seasons are. I just know October 1, January 31, because I don't hunt with anything but a bow. So I don't I only care about opening and closing. That's all that matters. Maybe it's had something to do with I just, no I, dogs so, running around. Well, there aren't. Well, so first off, you're right. So there's um, that second, that first week of December is after the regular, the dog season, you know, you have your first split, which is only mm-hmm. like a 10-day dog season. And then you go into still hunting and muzzleloader, I think, whatever mm-hmm. combination they have. And then like in Mississippi, like the right before Christmas. Yeah, like New Year's Eve, I think. Well, it's right before Christmas or something. They have the first, the, yeah, the second dog season. Christmas opens. Eve. Is it Christmas Eve or the right before it, the week before, the weekend think, before it, or something? I don't know. I think it's Christmas because Eve I don't, I don't hunt with dogs and I don't hunt with a rifle. Opens. But yeah, so there is a there's a gap there. But you know, like I said, you know, when you're talking about an area that for you know let's just say i mean i'm inside of, i'm inside of a circle that's at least you know inside of a mile circle but i have deer daylighting on december the 2nd so that tells me now i've built a history using a trail camera i've built a little bit of a history that tells me hey something is going on around that time so there are obviously some does either coming in or at least the bucks are really that's that's like a trigger day for them you know that hey something's going on so um now i know like for michael and them they have such a profound rut that it's not the same for us you know because our, our rut trickles out for over a month their ruts shoot what seven days and you're done aren't you mike yeah basically seven to ten days yeah <clears throat> Yep, but Chris and Hunter, do y'all have y'all seen like? Can you go back and look at movement patterns from and Chris, especially because I know that you keep detailed records of your deer. Can you go back and look at daylight yeah. pictures, maybe, and say, hey, over the last three or four years, I've seen daylight pictures during a window early in the season or something. 
oh, previous kills of good mature bucks to saying, you know, I remember, you know, the exact time or the exact area. And I'll kind of go off that as well. I won't go just off feeding times or your uh, solar times or I'll go off as like, hey, I saw like during Christmas Eve, even though down here in South Louisiana, um, it gets 70, 80 degrees the last couple of years. But Absolutely. I'll hunt from that morning till night. Oh, as I've been that's kind of like my little ritual as I hunt all day on Christmas Eve and then um all uh 15 years old and with a bow I remember I counted uh 20 bucks while I hunted because I was just bouncing around ridges with a climber and I'd hunt a ridge and a bottom for a couple of time a couple of hours and then I see a couple deer, nothing worth shooting, and I bounce to another one that I knew was going into a bedding area, going into the food source, or going down a heavy use trail. So I always kind of go back on Christmas Eve as far as I always see deer moving, no matter what temperature it is. As far as I know, bucks are on the feet. Then, like you said, uh, I'll go back on previous, you know, of that year trail cameras or the year before or even two years before on trail cam picks of especially my hit list deer that I haven't killed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when they come out, you know, if they come out four times during 4.30 till six o'clock through four days straight, one week, I'll keep track of that in my head, not on paper. Sure. I probably should do it on paper because I always wind up forgetting, but uh, that's about it. I mean, I, I, I can definitely agree that uh, as far as your uh, arsenal of tools that we use. Yeah, Hunter, you got any? You got any input on that? If you got, if you got situations where you can go back over the years and see any, any kind of a pattern? Me and Cliff, no, I'm really not uh, the greatest person for that topic right there. Um, I haven't had property that I could really stay focused on. Um, I had some property in the marsh, and like I said, I had lost it. Uh, the ability to hunt that uh, I haven't I don't run a whole lot of trail cameras in fact I only own uh, never owned more than that uh, how many do you you, you, you broke up when you said how many you owned uh, I own three huh? three trail cameras <laughs> I bet I own freaking 20 hey yeah. I, own, I own four so. I'm, I'm more like I, a him I got four or five use, maybe six well I collect them I mean I just I collect them over there I got some over here that that are just sitting on the shelf that I, I quit using years ago I think they still work I just don't use them yeah I, I use trail cameras more for just inventory purposes uh, yeah. just to figure out what's on the cam hunting I'll put a I'll have one feed site, uh, you know, in a spot that I don't plan on hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can hunt it if I do have one daylight and at it, but typically I don't get yeah. that. <laughs> it's usually always nocturnal. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, and I, I just I just use it to figure out what I got. If I do have a deer I can chase because, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the marsh, and that's where my trail camera experience is, is in the marsh. Uh, it's really hard to pinpoint. I've put trail cameras on trail deer trails. Or you could swear, like, oh, this is beat down deer traveling this, and for a month not get a single picture of a deer, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's hard down here. Uh, yeah, I understand that. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, it's like for, so for me, you know, I use trail cameras. Correlation of. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I use trail cameras a couple of different ways. I use trail cameras to, like you said, to do inventory. Like so, like I got spots that I feed up. You know, I, I feed two or three places um, on the property, and I just keep a camera there to just keep inventory. And um, right, you know, I'll, I'm a matter of fact, I'm just about to the point I'm about to turn them off because I'm getting well. Right now, I'm not really. I know they made it through the season, so except for the places like that, maybe I may be thinking maybe a turkey will come in or something. You know, so I can like say, oh there's some turkeys in the area um i'm gonna turn the cameras off or whatever and then also i have camera i have like i'll have um i'll have cameras on creek crossings um i'll have cameras on just uh maybe um transition areas um maybe an area that i think the deer are, or maybe just a staging area that they use when they you know go into feed or whatever or just and i'll keep those cameras out all year i never turn them off i just check them periodically maybe every six months check cameras but what i'm always looking for is trying to create a pattern so like when I look at a camera, like I said, for instance, with the you know with the December second thing, that's really resonated with me because those are really good you know mature racked bucks that I'm finding that I'm getting daylight pictures of multiple years in a row in different areas you know. And now next year I'll be doing the same thing. Look, I will instantly. I don't know if everybody else does. As soon as I find the first big open scrape scrape opened up, the first thing I do is hang a camera on that dude. I want to see what's going on in that area. Um, you know, a lot of times a buck maybe maybe he don't work it, but he's gonna go buy it. You know, he just eases on by that area. So um, I, I'll put some. You know, I'll, I'll always have some cameras with me that I can hang over an active scrape. If I'm driving down a logging road and I see an active scrape, hanging a camera almost instantly. I'm going to maybe not on every one of them, but I'm going to find that scrape that I think is getting the most activity, that's the freshest, and I'm going to put hang a camera there just to see what's going on in the area. Um, you know, I got a picture, like I said, you know, I, uh, short twos, right? Let me give you a good example. Short twos. I got pictures of him going down beside a scrape as he's, you know, obviously working an area. I got pictures of him working that scrape. 200 yards away, I have a feeding station, right? Have never gotten a picture of that deer there. He does not go to, the, to, to a place to eat. The only places I've ever gotten pictures of him are working a scrape scrape line or something like that. So just because you have a corn pile and a camera over it and you're thinking, well, I don't have any mature deer on that corn pile, that could not be – that may not be true. You may have deer – that never come to that because it's not a natural food source to them. That's some more mature deer. Now, the young deer that I'm growing, you know, who've been there for two or three years, it's just as natural. You know, their mama brought them there when they were fawns. They've been eating at that day. They've been eating at that feeding state at that feeding place for the last two or three years. It's natural for them. They're going to keep coming to it. But old twos, who might be a five-year-old, six-year-old deer, he was three or four years old when this started. You know, he ain't interested. <coughs> He ain't coming to that, and I don't know if anybody yeah. else sees that happen, but it does for me. No, the first the first nice buck I ever killed, uh, I had never gotten a picture of that deer, and I killed him late season. He was, you know, bedding in this area. I was trying to get close to a bedding area, and it's probably four or five hundred yards of crow flies from my feed site, and never, never once got a picture of that deer. And, you caught him coming out of his bed and by himself coming yep. in the food source late in the evening. Yep. Yep. John, can y'all you can y'all get to feed up there, or are you just strictly uh, hunting your deer over natural food sources? Yeah, we can uh, we can bait up here. Uh, but going back to that that uh, statement you made, um, I've seen it in 
a lot. You know, the bigger mature bucks, they'll hang up 40, 50, 60 yards before those bait piles and they'll stop. Yeah. Because they know, you know, they just know. So what I like to do, you know, I don't hunt over the bait. I like to hunt within about 80 to 100 yards on the travel route, on the travel route, because if a doe's coming to it, you know, the doe's going to come in. She's going to be a little pinky. That's correct. But that big buck, if he's behind her, he's going to hang up on it. So I like to be a little bit back from those myself to catch that buck before he he hangs up at that baby pile. No, I think that's absolutely right. That happened to me this year. Uh, had a nice 10 point in the marsh I was chasing and uh, you know I'm the same way I don't hunt over my feed piles but he showed up the night before first picture I ever got of him uh, it was on a levee and I hunted on the opposite end of that levee where it petered out into the marsh and it's maybe 200 yards if that from the corn pile and not no day making a rub uh you know, almost killed him at five yards, but you know that's it's funny that you say that because I have experienced that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know that mature deer a lot of times will not come around like older deer. That it's not natural for them, and they're just too suspicious. That's why I say, you know, you I always say the five-year plan, right, to grow a mature deer. Um, you start with the fawns that you have because a mature deer knows it's not natural and a lot of times he won't come you know so you in texas is your example you want to learn to if you want to learn to feed deer and grow big antlers and just look to texas management i wish seth was here he'd be able to tell us all about that because he does it so much um but anyway i'm sort of circling back so you know we were talking about you know what we're learning and what we're going to you know how we're going to utilize what we learn for next year so i've learned December 2nd is the time to be in a freaking tree stand all day. That's an all-day sit. I'm telling you, if something changes for me next year, that's an all-day sit for me. I'll be there. Yeah, makes sense. um, I don't know know where I'll be, but I I got a suspicious feeling about where I'll be because maybe old short twos will make that same trip down that same logging road. You know, you never know. But anyway, um, anybody else got any, you know, what else have you learned? I mean, I've learned a ton of shit, but I don't want to be the only one talks. Well, for me, it's hunt more public ground. I, no, you know, what you learned. Listen, listen, until you came down here, I had a lot of front, uh, public ground. So uh, I had a lot more, seen a lot more ground, and but it's just the public yeah. ground a lot better it's it's, and it's it's pretty hard hunted but yeah i mean you 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 can but no what you learned here's what you learned you learned be in your tree when before it quits raining well yeah and, and, <laughs> and so did i so <laughs> that day you shot yours what time were you in the woods um well i shot that deer at what like twelve thirty. I was I was climbing up the tree at twelve thirty, and you so, text me you already got it. Yeah, so I shot that deer like maybe twelve twenty, twelve fifteen, something like that. I shot that deer, and you saw the big one before that. I did, and you know I haven't talked about that a lot. It's on the podcast, but you know, and that's where I said I learned about getting. You know, I always said I told you I said I'm going to be in the tree before it quits raining, and me and me and Mike had talked about that for the trip, and the problem was that I was so I'm a realtor by trade. This is what I do for a living. I, I sell real estate. I was working, and, of course, that was the first day in, like, what, I think four or five days, Mike, that we hadn't hunted, you know, first thing in the morning. So, generally, what would happen was every night, I would get home, it'd be after dark, I'd stop and get me a Subway or a burger or something, and I would literally work 
on my computer till nine ten o'clock at night and then i would go to sleep and we'd get up and we'd get up and we'd meet up we'd go hunting well what happened was because that rainstorm was coming through the temperature was going to drop and it was going to rain we said okay we're going to sleep in i said i'm going to get in the woods prior to it quitting raining and you could see the line it was pretty good because you could see the line of the storm pretty damn good um but i was working got sidetracked with doing this thing you know talking to this client emailing this person this doing this that and the other and i'm checking them checking the weather periodically about every hour well i checked the weather at like 10 o'clock and it's like oh it's going to quit raining in like the next 15 minutes and like shit i'm 30 minutes from where i'm from where we're hunting at so i made a i mean i literally just closed my laptop you know and, and took off but i was getting to where we were going and if if i had been there while it was raining i probably would have killed that biggest deer the one that i missed uh two days prior i probably because him I, I mean well i made complete eye contact with the doe i mean we locked eyes and shared a moment and he was about 10 yards behind her i mean we did she and i shared a moment at about 10 15 yards we looked at each other she looked at me like i was a complete fucking idiot and i looked at her like <laughs> i am so screwed and then he was just standing behind her about 15 yards and then boom they're gone and so i just get up in the tree and then you know like i said i probably wasn't uh mike i, I get i would i would probably wasn't in that tree mm, 30 minutes before i shot the 10 point that i did kill and I said, oh, I killed a great deer. I'm super happy with him. But that being said, you're right. You get in the if you're going to get in the woods during a if it's going to quit raining, and you know when it's going to quit raining. Be in the tree when it quits raining. I know that's a pain in the ass because it was 40 degrees or 38 degrees or something. It was and it was raining. It was typical Southern Mississippi weather. I don't know why I was so worried. <laughs> um, it was raining. It was nasty pitiful weather it was only going to get colder the wind was freaking howling but as soon I'm, I'm literally as soon as it quit raining within an hour the deer were up and moving and i just wasn't there yet because i didn't got sidetracked doing other things so that is a thing to learn is be in the woods when it quits raining deer are going to move every time especially after it, how, how hot it had been in illinois like 75 yeah, it was in the 60s and 70s. <clears throat> yeah, it was pretty pitiful. And that was during the rut, too. It was it was pretty pitiful weather. But anyway, yeah, so you learn that. You learn hunting more public. I mean, we hunt plenty of public. We hunt it all the time. Yep. That's you know? all I hunt. Well, I mean, it's not all I hunt, but I, I mean, I hunt my fair share of it. I hunted probably less this year than I have in a long time. I'm trying to get Mike to come down here and, and hunt with me. Yeah, one of these days, <laughs> I got to get down there. <laughs> Yep. But you know something else I'm seeing, Cliff? You know, the hardcore hunter is guys like us are just we're slowly fading away. And guys aren't really willing to push it, you know, and, and put some foot miles in and get back to some of these places that Man. are hard to get to. Shoot. And, you know, you're missing so many opportunities if you're not putting, a, you know, some some distancing and getting back to some of these places because a lot of guys like to walk 100 yards 200 yards climb up a tree and oh that's a right bait pile look and you're you know, absolutely right just, so yeah I know a mile back and cliff said you're stupid don't be shooting one yeah well that i part. told him that so i in the in the south hunter chris you you can you can vouch for me with this i don't know seth you i see that you got on man we're glad you we're glad you made it buddy um so it's, Chris and, and Hunter can probably vouch for me with this. In the South, you don't shoot does unless you can drive up to them with the side-by-side. -side. There's rules. 
I mean, Chris had to shoot his nose in the backyard. There's rules. Cliff, I got a rule on that, like, uh, especially on some public property I hunt near the Mississippi River bottom. Uh, we walk really far sometimes you know two miles in it's far for us anyways and i got a rule if anybody comes hunt with me i will help you drag one doe out and after that it better be a good buck or yon yon <laughs> absolutely so michael messages me and says man i just smoked a doe and i know for a fact michael walked a mile and a half back and i'm like you son of a bitch and look, look, look <laughs> let me tell you something guys they're not like our does you know <laughs> you know our does are 120 pounds freaking mike's doe was a solid 190 and i'm like you son of a gun man we well by the time i got to where actually that was the day i missed that deer wasn't it mike yep yep that was yeah that was the same day i missed that deer so by the time i got out of the tree and got back all the way around he had done gotten back there and and gotten the deer a pretty good ways um but you know i got the difference maker now buddy you didn't know i bought this i hadn't told you yet i bought an e-bike you did buy one? I, I told you last year, didn't I not tell you? Look, yeah, you did. Look, man, some of them places are two freaking miles of walk. You got to walk two miles before you get to where you're hunting. I uh, shit you not. Now, it may not be two miles straight line, but the way you have to walk, it's two miles. I told him, I told Mike, I said, man, I'll have an e-bike next year to head. Damn this. I'll have an e-bike. So <laughs> next year when you shoot one, we're going we're gonna to hook that freaking daggum deer cart to the back of that e-bike, and I'm going to ride her out of there i ain't pulling her no more yeah that's what i was getting to say we'll put the card on there we'll, we'll go <laughs> we'll fix that card up and we'll go man because i shown up it, it delivered um about oh i don't think i've had it about 10 days or so now i bought it a while i wanted to buy it in time to work with it and you know it's got the most uncomfortable seat i've ever put my bony ass on so i ordered a seat it'll be here in a couple <laughs> of days so <laughs> i probably won't be right you know i just had my hand worked on um, i had that hand procedure today and it's throbbing like a son of a gun but uh so i won't be probably riding my bike for a couple of weeks but i bought it so that i could mess with it over the summer um i'm gonna play with it a lot during turkey season hoping to play with it a lot during turkey season for you know riding in doing some turkey hunting um really get used to using it and then i'm taking it up to um i really want to take it to like uh wherever i go mule, mule deer hunting at like if it's western nebraska in the sand hills or whatever um man i can jump on that e-bike and just ride a couple miles you know i did a five mile ride on it last weekend um actually 10 miles because it was five five miles there and five miles back i rode to granny's corner jamie mm. um bike was oh dude i could have never done it without that bike though because that thing has got that freaking leg man i just punched that throttle and let her rip you know i pedaled about half the time really did no i really didn't i didn't ride the bike i really just rode the bike while it did all the work that's exactly right but that's why i bought it for too because i'm 50 <laughs> and fat um but anyway so anybody else i know <laughs> we get so sidetracked but uh the the seth can you hear me yes sir i sure can hey the the topic is what did you learn this year that you can take into next year to make you a better deer hunter so we've talked about like using our trail cameras and and identifying movement patterns and time this year that we think we can manipulate next year you know to make us a better hunter um we've talked about you know getting into trees you know being in being in a tree stand at, when the weather breaks when you you know um things like right. that what, what what you got you learn you learned anything this year 
So you had broke up just a second. You're you're saying like some takeaways from this past year that maybe you didn't do before that changing going forward. Absolutely. Things that you learned this year, things that you (laughs) took away from this deer season that you're going to be able to make next make next year make you a better deer hunter. Right. I I know one of the things that you know it's always in the back of my head, but I've I've been a little nervous to do it this past year, and it was it was how I got on two of the deer that I had encounters with this year. And that was basically mid season or basically during season scouting. And that was something that uh, I, I never really subscribed to having the time to do before yeah. or let alone, you know, or I was just worried about, you know, messing them. Mm-hmm. Blowing up. I had, a, I have a ladder fixed stand in one location on the MLD property I hunt. And then, I just wasn't feeling good about it. I got down. I mean, this was, it was middle late October, and I walked maybe 80 yards. Hadn't seen a deer in that stand. Walked 80 yards. Found a bunch of different good sign. The setup was just totally different. And it's funny. I was listening to you talk about the rain. Um, when I came back the next week, <clears throat> I showed up in and I sh- it, I showed up to the property in the rain on purpose, and I went out there and I hung. In the rain, that's I wanted to hang it in the rain, and I came back and hunted it the next morning, and I had an encounter with a probably a Pope and Young eight point. You know, I hang stands in the rain too. I'll even do it in the summertime. I'll hang stands or I'll scout in the rain because I know that it washes my scent away. And especially if like if I wanted to scout a bedding area or something, I will only scout a bedding area if I know if it's raining. Um, because I don't want to go in there, even in the summertime, I don't want to take a chance on leaving a bunch of ground scent and then freaking some big, you know, freaking a buck out and he just sort of freak out and then, you know, maybe disappear on me. So I only scout a lot of my areas in a, in a good rainstorm. Yeah, I really try to. Time doesn't always permit, but usually when those opportunities, I know especially around here, if I go to the National Forest or anything, I go... I go either on the heels of a rain so I can see tracks or I go during the rain, usually because it's hot as hell anyway, but that's just, that's just prime. It's you take advantage of it if you can. Yeah. So, you know, I'll tell you even a couple of years ago, it's been a few years ago. Um, I was between deer leases. So I lost the deer lease that I had. And before I joined the deer lease that I, that I have now, um, I had a, I had a year, a season that I didn't have a deer lease. So I hunted strictly the national forest and about August, I wanted to do some scouting. I really, August is when I really start looking, you know, like I was in a summer. Well, actually, that was when I lost. I lost the lease in August, and it was too late to get into a new one. So that was my time period. So I started, I went to an area not too far from my house, National Forest, in a rainstorm. It wasn't raining hard. It was just raining. And I literally walked up on within 20 or 30 yards of a probably 130 140 class freaking 10 point in velvet and he stood there and, and I, there's no doubt in my mind he knew i was there i didn't know he was there but he knew i was there but he stood there and let me walk up to him in the rain and then when i got close enough that i guess i got inside his comfort zone he blew out of there and then i got to really get some good looks at him but uh, i hung cameras in there i got pictures of him you know really great really good deer he came back he felt comfortable enough to come back but yeah i scouted that whole area a couple of hundred acre national forest track in a rainstorm hung cameras and did mark you know mark stand locations everything during that time uh it really worked out well for me mike you got a spot that um i know you're gonna you're gonna i know you're gonna go down in that bottom um you better i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna be 
I'm going to go a little further than what you went and go down to that bottom. Now, if I shoot one, I don't know how the hell I'm going to get out Man, of there. Man, we got to quarter him and get him I, out of there. We got to quarter him up. Yeah. There ain't no, there ain't, you ain't dragging no deer out of there. But what I was saying was in that river bottom, you know, that's a big bedding area along that river bottom. So that's a place that you would want to go and, um, you know, scout that in a rainstorm because you don't want to bust anything out. Because I went down in there and or I got close enough to it to realize that's a gnarly ass place down in there, buddy. That that's yeah. a, that's a mess down in there. You're gonna be hard pressed. Well, when I got went down in there, well, I didn't go down in it, but I went to the ridge and looked down in there. It looked pretty awesome, but like I said, you shoot something down there, it's gonna be a hole to get. Well, it it's got to be a hundred foot to the top. That's got to be a hundred foot off yeah. that off the bottom of that ridge. Yeah, probably. I and mean, we'd have to drag right through that ridge where you shot yours, and you know how that was. <clears throat> Man, look, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Illinois, or those of you who haven't been to Illinois who are listening to us. It's, it's just um, – I don't know. It's not probably everywhere you go, but where we were, it had rained and it was so muddy. You, If you took a step and you dug your foot into the ground, your foot slid six inches before you moved the deer two inches. I mean, it was just a constant fight. We're moving, and we're talking about we gutted that deer, and he was probably still. Well, I know that Austin said his neck measurement under the ears is 26 inches because the form that I wanted him to mount it on, the form that I wanted him to mount it on, he messages me and says, they don't make a form that big. And I started to say, well, you don't know how to alter a deer because I know how to alter a deer. I was a taxidermist for 10 years, but I just gave him a different form number. So if he's not comfortable altering, I don't want him to do it. But I used to have to alter for size. But the neck measurement under the ears is 26 inches is how big that deer was. That deer was at least 250 dressed, wouldn't you think, Mike? Where'd he go? Mike. I'm lagging. There you are. I said that deer was probably 250 dressed, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a big freaking white-tailed deer. And he was the smaller of all the deer. He wasn't the biggest deer that I saw that weekend. (laughs) Anyway. All right. So, yeah, we got a lag in here. I'm sorry, guys. It's real. Yeah, you're a 300-pounder around here. Yeah. You would say that one more time? You're lagging bad, Cliff. I said it's nothing to see a three hundred pounder around here. Wow. Yeah, I've never I've never seen a three hundred pound deer. I know that we don't. Yeah, Hunter, I heard you. I'm li- I'm lagging. I don't know why. I mean, my Wi-Fi is super strong. I don't I don't know. I'm just lagging. It it just is what it is. That is the. I guess that's the downside of doing it the way we're doing it. You know, having guys come from all over to hunt to, to talk with us. Um, if it's just two or three guys in the uh, in in the studio with me, we're talking and it's easy. But you know, we're um, we're slaves to the internet. Yep. It's just it's just what we are. So anyway. Um, Sorry about it, guys. I know that some of y'all are listening are going to be thinking, man, what the hell's wrong with it? Well, you know, Zoom sucks, but it's the best we got. You know, we can't do any better than that. So anything else, guys? Anybody got anything? I mean, I know, we, I know we've learned more than this, right? Well, I heard you guys talking about, you know, you know, leaf scent areas and, and things like that. And well, this may be a whole nother topic, Cliff, but – well, That's you go ahead into I'm it. I'm going to go about. take a. I'm going to go take a leak because I got to get this this Michelob Ultralight out of my system, and then you <laughs> go ahead and talk, and I'll and I'll catch up to you in a second. 
okay, I was just going to bring up the whole saddle hunting industry, you know, the ability to be so mobile with these saddles and, you know, to go into areas and not saturate them with scent until you're ready to hunt, I found is just super, super great for me. Um, I don't know if anybody else, I know Cliff said he uh, has gotten into saddle hunting. I don't know if anybody yeah, else yeah. has, but these saddles Cliff are yeah. they, they're a game changer. So. <laughs> Yeah, I started hunting out of a saddle oh, this year. Uh, started one stick and hunting out of a saddle, and I'm planning on before next season get me a frame pack. Uh, start just you know one trip in and one trip out on them long hikes on that public land and stuff, and uh, which I've been mobile hunting for several years now. Uh, started out mobile hunting on the ground, and then got me a Millennium M7 lock on and started doing it that route. And but I, I really like the saddle, and I I'll tell you what, I was very against it for a long time, and when I started one sticking, it is a breeze. Oh, it is, man, and you know I spent the spring and the summer just you know almost daily going out in the backyard make you know making a climb shooting uh rappelling down and you know i got so comfortable with it and so it was just muscle memory after a certain point and it changed the game for me this past year i, I got to hunt in places i've never got to hunt before because you know the, the, the trees wasn't that great you know for a lock-on or a ladder stand but they was just right for a saddle and it, it just opened up a lot of doors for me and especially not getting into areas and just oversaturating them with your presence and your scent you know spots that you wanted to hunt but you knew you should stay out of there until the, the rut got a little bit more fired up uh, so I really enjoyed just the dynamic that the saddles has had for me and changing the yeah I, I, I really enjoy how you can I feel as though you get more visibility of the area you hunt because, you know, I could face the tree and sit against it or I'll sit sideways to it, rest my knee against it, and I can want to watch this way. Um, I feel like I have more ability to view the area I'm hunting out of a saddle. Uh, I, I, I'm with you, John. I've, I've really enjoyed it hunting out of it this year. Um, I'm definitely uh, yeah, I, I hadn't hunted out of my lock on since I got it so uh, and the the ability to repel down one stick and you know doing the one stick method and just repel down man that's such a breeze you know it's gets late at night I mean late in the evening and you're ready to go home you know you ain't killed nothing just two seconds I'm on the ground and roll some ropes up and you know it's it's easy man it's so much quieter than you know hanging a lock on every time i just, you know and i can get up a tree pretty quiet with a lock on but i'm not near as consistent with a lock on as i am with a saddle uh at least one stick in anyways uh it's much quieter oh yeah for sure i mean yeah. uh it's it's just amazed me and you know I, I can't promote it enough to you know the people in my circles that i hunt with um to get into it and i've gotten a few guys to kind of transition over and they're starting to see the results that i've seen uh, but you know if people only knew this the benefits that come with a saddle if you know now i understand like places like in texas and brush country where you don't have a lot of tree options you know it's a whole different ball game but if you're able to get you know in hardwoods or pine woods and get some heist you know the saddle's the way to do it yeah yeah john i mean that's uh <clears throat> i know over here in east texas i ain't, I ain't gonna lie that the last uh just like um hunter said that uh i ran that m7 for a lot and i still have it i just mentioned it a few minutes ago and that's a great stand but I, now i kind of use it as more of a semi-permanent stand on my my little permission spots or out at the 
the MLD property that I hunt. But yeah, I, I jumped onto the to the saddle game about three years ago, and I got the Trophy Line Covert Light, and uh, I'm actually fixing to purchase um, upgrading. I'm just trying to figure out which one I'm which one I'm gonna upgrade to when I'm leaning towards some uh, some latitude um, That's- models. That's yeah. what I'm running, Seth. Yeah, I've I've been looking for several months, and uh, I've just looked at every little thing that I think I would I want in the saddle with the bridge and all the little details that go to it, and how you run your dump pouches. And everybody's a little different, but I tell you what, and I know what where I hunt the national forest over here, you can't leave a stand in there longer than seventy two hours. So, oh yeah, I, that's I'm, another issue. You don't have to worry about people coming in and stealing your stuff anymore. Yeah, you know, and, I, you know, and I've never been one to want to take the chance you know that's that's what the the law is i'm not you know i know something it's people getting far enough back in there you know you think it won't really matter but that or or somebody coming across it and taking it but i know that gave me a lot more uh feasibility and and confidence going out to the national forest more often because i can just i can just cover so much ground set up hunt and i may not that may be the first and last time i ever go to that spot but and i usually don't have a whole lot of days off in a row to hunt so you know maybe three at the most you know um and, you know when i'm bouncing around to a couple of different spots i don't really try to marry myself to one too much and then there's not time i don't have time to go back across town and hike in you know 45 minutes to an hour or more and climb up and take down a full-blown stand and it's just it is a so much of a time saver and and i like you said i've, I've gotten used to with the setup now and I can I can scoot up a tree and I can get plenty high and it's just it is totally different and it gives it, it's given me a lot more versatility and confidence too and I, I'm just excited to upgrade because mine mine would wear on my back for a while but it was still worth uh, worth what it was allowing me to do so I'm I'm looking forward to actually upgrading and and being able to pull some all day sets because trying to do that in a saddle has, has been kind of tough for me though yep. yeah yeah i found that out too I, I ran a two panel saddle this fall and don't get me wrong it's a well-built saddle and i won't start dropping names of companies great saddle company great guys that build it but the and two panel was shout them out yeah, I went back if, it, if they're panel. if they make a good product i think you should shout them out I really do. I mean, I know they don't sponsor us, but shoot, if they make a good product, shout them out, man. They need it. Everybody needs it. Hey, guys. Sorry to interrupt, but you know I got to do it. This is Cliff, Tom Smith Land and Homes, here to tell you that if you are looking to buy or sell in Mississippi or Louisiana, I am the guy for you. Give me a call, 601-990-5070, or on my cell phone, 601-565-1070. And remember, if you expect more, you will get more. Well, I, I can tell you boys this, the TX-5 Lone Star, I switched over to that for about the last month of the season. And that thing with that hip pinch reduction system it has on it to keep that. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I did not fidget. I did not move. I wasn't constantly adjusting to try to find a comfortable spot. That thing is lights out, man, for me. And it may not fit everybody the same way. Yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm 6'4", I weigh about 250, 255. I'm a pretty big old boy. Well, that's interesting because so, I'm, I'm 6'5", you know, about 230. So, I, and I deal with a ton of hip pinch and lower back. I've had a, a little bit of scoliosis in my past history. Not real bad, but I think that plays into I just get I get uncomfortable. I have to shift. Yep. You know, I do shift a lot. And that's one thing that makes me nervous about being in the saddle is the movement. Be just, But that's just my 
my own my own comfortability coming into play, and I got to fix yeah. that. So does everybody on the podcast right now? That was kind of driving me crazy. I'm sorry, John. Does everybody on the podcast right now run out of a saddle? I know Hunter does. I know John does. I know Seth, me, I Michael. Do. I, I know Chris. Are you the only one who doesn't? It sounds like, <laughs> but I mean, I, I hunt a lot of like private ground and uh, I still use my climber. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell I you what, you'll learn to quit toting that climber in there. I, I fuck a climber, man. You can, you matter of fact, I got a summit you can come get right now. Well, I, fuck fuck that damn thing. It's so much, that's so what, much lighter. Let you be more mobile. It. It's light. It's mobile. Have, yeah. Everything. I do have a couple of buddies that are hunting out, hunting out a lot of saddle, but they also hunt a lot of public. And they talk to me about it. And I mean, it looks fun. I've, I, hung, I hung on one on the telephone pole at the house just to get used to it. Um, I can see myself eventually purchasing it. Purchasing it. And uh, using it as another tool in my arsenal. Well, bag. they are. They're all tools. I mean, I, I've, I've killed deer out of, you know, I hunt uh, permanent stands. I got lock-ons that I have in. I, most of my lock-ons are in places that I know I'm going to hunt, you know, um, maybe it's a transition area or something that I know I'm going to hunt, like, during the rut. Yeah. And I'm going to hunt it more than one time. So it's a place that I can just slip in, you know, bam, bam, I'm, in, I'm up in the tree and I'm hunting and I stay there all day. Um, and then I have places where I have just, like, maybe the ladder is set up and my platform i bring my you know i just bring my platform and my saddle in and i and i just climb up to the top of the of the ladder i set the platform and bam i'm up in the tree and then there's places that i just you know like when i was hunting with mike every day was a different set you know so it's the hawk heliums and and, and the aider and we're bam bam up in the tree you know and, and we go from there so it's an it's a tool in the arsenal it's not an end-all be-all i know some people think oh yeah well, the only way to hunt is out of a saddle or the only way to hunt is out of a lock-on or the only way to hunt is out of a box blind well, bullshit man there's a thousand different ways to hunt and if you're a really trying to be a great a better hunter you got to be open to different things that make you more successful you know um so let me ask you this i'm gonna ask everybody i i'll start with me i'm running here's my setup for saddle hunting since we've gotten into this whole saddle thing and it's a great topic so we can talk about i can talk about this forever i'm running a predator um phantom saddle i'm running a predator plant uh no it's a a tethered phantom saddle a predator platform the extra large i got the extra large platform i'm running four hawk heliums that are cut down to 22 inches and one three-step aider um i don't really like for me this is for me uh, again i'm 50 i'm a little i'm i'm not a little i'm fat 50 and fat and i don't like the idea of taking an aider up multiple times right so i set my aider on my lower so i'll put my first helium up as high as i can reach and i set my three-step aider and then from there i just step i put steps up and that puts me at about somewhere between 19 and 22 depending on how on how far i set my gaps that allows me to get to a comfortable hunting height and then i can just set my predator bam bam i'm up in it and in a few minutes i'm i'm done that's my setup so the next one is going to be john um jamie what is your setup i got a diy saddle that i made about three years ago i kind of patterned it after the tethered manis Mm -hmm. and um the last couple years i've been running the uh it's the primal steps they're like the wild edge yeah they're like wild edge steps and last year i made a platform for them kind of patterned it after the um 
Uh, yeah, so you're the complete dude. Everything you have, you've made yourself, right? Everything except the steps. And um, really looking at making some steps similar to the um, Lone Wolf um, custom, the mm-hmm. the new ones that they come the out with, the double, yeah, the the double steps step. with the – they got, instead of the V-shaped – um, standoffs they got like bolts or nails or something mm-hmm. I know what you're talking I'm, about I'm thinking about making some of them this summer yeah. and trying that and coming up with a different platform because yeah. I'm not not really feeling the the um wild edge steps yeah so i've got multiple people who who have done the wild edge steps some of them like them some of them don't i mean it's just it's an individual preference you know um so everybody who doesn't know jamie like jamie will build he he doesn't buy shit he he builds everything um it's not i'm not i'm not knocking on you i'm not knocking on you because i think it's pretty cool that you've got the ability to do it buy it if you make it why buy it if you can build it you know i'm good for that i made my i probably had about Maybe, maybe a hundred and fifty dollars in your whole setup in my um saddle. Well, shit! I bought a saddle for a hundred and fifty dollars. Why was everything ropes? The whole oh, I can't say I that. Mean, everything. I ain't gonna say that, but I mean, but I got my saddle on sale but, too. So if you watch Tethered, they'll have like a Veterans Day sale. Now my, and they'll do a pretty good sale. So I bought my, my own um, sale. Can't think of what's the Wild Edge platform? The oh god, that's I what, don't know. That's what I, I know what you're talking. That's about. what I made my platform after I bought um two pieces of flat bar from Home Depot for like sixteen bucks and put that together and made it and had had left. Yeah, well, you got <laughs> and had left over. So yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm I don't I I used to metal work, so I get what you're doing. So yeah, if you have the ability, man, I don't blame you. You know, the first platform that I built for matter of fact, Mike, you still got my the platform, don't you? Michael. Yeah, I still have it. You don't use it, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I still got it. It's in my mom's garage, but yeah. I'm waiting to hand it off just like you did for me. Yep, yep. If you yep, if you don't hand it off, then I'll take it and I'll hand it off, you know, but we'll hand it off to somebody else and let them use it. But okay, so we got Jamie and me. So Mike, you're since you're on the screen, go ahead and what's your setup for uh for saddle hunting? I, I I'm new to it. I fell out of a tree stand last year, seventeen foot or two years ago 17 foot laying on my heels so i was kind of leery about using this and i was scared to death the first two days but i'm good it was good but i i got a hawk helium everything hawk helium sticks hawk helium uh, saddle i didn't want to go real expensive just in case i didn't like it uh i do have a little later on the bottom like cliff said <clears throat> but uh they're they're nice i especially in public ground around here you can't leave a stand out they want you to take it down every night so it was definitely a very handy tool and i will what's your platform he spent hours getting used to it yeah what's your platform mike did you didn't you ordered a platform didn't you yeah, I, I did the Tether XL platform. Yeah, same thing that I have. I like the, the Tether X. Yeah, it's a really nice platform. I like it myself. I'm really happy with that platform. I mean, there's other ones out there. It just happens to be the one that I have. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you can, yeah, you. It's it's probably me, but you got a bad lag. So go ahead, do it again. I said you can adjust it high or low. That's what I really like about it because I like sitting back a little further so I. 
I have mine a little lower so I can keep my feet. Yeah, you're talking about the platform angle, okay. right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to set my platform angle where like so I lean back a little bit. And if you if you have the platform level, then it tends to put a lot of pressure on your toes because your feet are sort of sliding to the front of your boots. Yeah. But because you can slide, you can angle your platform sort of downward. Think about in 45 degree down. Not not that much. I don't angle that much. But just think about well, just think about taking your hand and sliding your feet up, you're sliding your fingers up from the wrist. And the angle that you can generate right there is sort of what you're looking for with your platform. If you put your platform at that angle, then your feet are flat. Yeah. You can still do all the things you normally do, but your feet are flat. And it takes a lot of pressure off of your toes and off your heels, and it just makes for a more comfortable sit. So, yeah, I do the same thing, Mike. That's exactly what I do. All right, Chris, what are you running? Uh, I'm not running a saddle. Oh, that's right. You I'm don't run a saddle. We're not. We're not talking about you. We don't want to talk about you. <laughs> You're, we're going to leave you. Not, not many people do. <laughs> but I am taking all this information because uh, I am. You know, maybe this summer get one and yeah. start a. Uh, practicing it because i mean uh, that's right that's right you do if you're going to get one you want to get it in the summer because they're not lying when they tell you it takes it's a learning curve you have to sort of get comfortable with your saddle yes hunter what are you running i'm running the latitude method two double panel saddle and i have the eastern woods outdoors uh ultimate one stick it has the angled platform um got 40 foot of rappel rope uh, i forget which one it is i know it's a nine millimeter um got a mad rock uh repelling device for it and uh yeah i'll tell you what uh I, and i've done i did the three stick i also have a predator xl platform that i had got from a buddy uh with three muddy sticks cut down to two steps with uh cable waders the lone wolf cable waders mm-hmm. and uh after seeing a buddy do the what, what inspired me and i seen videos of it that it just looked kind of like a freaking mess to me you know and then i seen a buddy we went hunting some public land and he man he once sticked up a tree one day just to show me how he was done and it was like oh no i gotta do that you know and so it's uh it's been a it's been a it's been a dream man there's so much less weight than i'm packing in the woods and uh, the eastern woods outdoors one stick actually it has a little notch in the middle of the platform so once you you know i once i hang my stick again i just set my tether i'm gonna call it the tether your repelling rope you just set set it down to the tree so you can work hands free and it's just a piece of uh am still you throw it around and it's got the little cam cleat lock it in and then go up your stick pull your tether up you know and which i use it on hunt much higher than 16 to 18 feet sometimes a lot lower than that uh because i shoot a trad bow and i don't like the 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 steep angles and smaller targets um but the ability i can go 35 feet i think with uh 40 foot of rope and the ability to just get out of the tree in the evenings is just really what one of the biggest reasons that sold me on is i hate climbing down and packing all the dang sticks and stand up making all this noise and uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed saddle hunting this year. So, I gotta say, I gotta say that the only like so like for me like I see the one stickers and I'm you know it's like different religions inside the same religion you know like you can be a Baptist, you can be a Southern Baptist, you can be a Primitive Baptist, but you're all Baptist. So the one stick thing, I, I look at that and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I want to deal with that 
you know. I but the same thing. But the same at the same time, I'll say it at the same time, the idea of rappelling out of a tree, just bam, I'm on the ground. And I don't have to freaking unhook this step and hook it up. And I don't have to unhook this step and hook it up. And I don't have to that is absolutely super intriguing. So at some point in time, we're going to have to hang out together because I need to sort of see that what you're doing in action and determine if it's worth my fat ass freaking figuring it out or not, because I am absolutely in, interested in it. I'm just not sold yet. And that's, you know, of course, there's people like Chris who are tree stand hunters, you know, or hunting out of a climber who aren't sold on a saddle yet. And, you know, if they can be converted, I can be converted. It's just part of it. But I am interested. Those hawk helium sticks are very quiet and they, they stick are. together. I, they are. I don't have them. They are. I mean, I got, I, I have no problem. I mean, I've heard a lot of people complain the, uh, about them, but I've never had any problems with them. It's all the extra steps in the process. I hate, I, I, I don't like clutter in my uh, process of getting in a tree or, um, you know, any step that I could take out of getting up a tree is, you know, I, I like mainstream, you know, slimlining my process of getting in a tree and the, the one stick method. And I was just like you, Cliff. I was very doubtful about it. I'm I very skeptical. And once I seen my buddy do it firsthand, I mean, he effortlessly got which he couldn't get very high in that tree because it had a bunch of branches and he was just showing me I think he got like a move and a half I want to say he was 10 foot and it was just I mean within a matter of two minutes he was in the tree you know and it was it, it just once yeah. you see it in person and if you were to ever try it i think yeah i think that's the thing is to, to see it in person I, I gotta see it in person you're i mean just somebody telling me that it's the greatest thing on you know since sliced bread is not going to do it for me you got it you got to show it to me and if you can show it to me i'm absolutely open to hearing about it um, it's like a hand say that again said it's just like a hands-on thing some people are hands-on some people are booked but that's right you gotta yeah yeah i'm like i'm not from missouri but you still gotta show me you know um john what do you what, what, what are you running man running the uh the tx5 lone star saddle now um which i was telling you guys that hit pinch reduction system of that thing you know up until i got it you know the fidget factor of just trying to find that sweet spot to be comfortable was just driving me crazy i felt like i was moving too much that tx5 it, you lock in on that thing and you don't move you're just comfortable but i'm also one stick and i've got the ewo one stick with the ultimate the ultimate platform so it's the angled front platform <clears throat> i hunted primarily off of that I do have a cruiser seeker platform that I'll take with me sometimes. If I, if I know I'm going to be on an all-day hunt, I'll go ahead and bring my platform with me just to have one more thing to stand on, give me a little bit more foot room. I also added a set of ring of steps. I didn't get a hunt off of them, so I'm going to play with those ring of steps um, this spring and summer and, and see how I can incorporate those. I've got the 40-foot of Canyon CIV repel line with the Madrock Safeguard repel device. Um and like uh, we was talking about earlier, it's just the ease of it, getting up and getting down and being so light and quiet. It's just, and you know, we talked about <clears throat> not saturating areas with your scent and your presence and observation sets. If there's a place you want to go, you've never been in before in there, you know, zip up a tree, 
hunt three, four hours, and you may find a honey hole you didn't know existed. So I'm loving it. I just, it's changed the game for me. And, and I'm not dogging anybody. I mean, if you want to hunt, have a climber or a lock on or a ladder, albeit for me, I just think the saddle hunting has just changed the game completely. Yeah. You know, talking about how other people hunt, I, I don't, uh, I don't just strictly hunt a saddle. You know, I still have my lock on, which I hadn't used it. I got my saddle later in the year, uh, so I didn't get to use it in the marsh, which there's a lot of places in the marsh. There's just too many branches uh, in them, and I just, I know I'm going to shoot the deer in front of me nine out of ten times on the spots I hunt, so I'm just going to sit there, and you know, and that's how it's going to be. But uh, I also hunt on the ground a lot. I got a Millennium M100 ground chair that I keep a ghillie top tucked in, and uh, if I know I'm going to be going hunt on the ground, I'll just grab it. I'll take off, throw a ghillie top on, and you know, hunt wherever. Um, and I've killed deer like that, so you know, it's you can't like like Cliff said, it's it's a tool in the toolbox. You can't stick to you know, you got to stay open to options. And I think you know, like I said the other night, being being unorthodox and trying new things can really put you in. Position answer, then by all means, you should, uh, I think anybody should incorporate it if it's in their budget. Yeah, that's another thing is having the budget to invest in it because when you get into some of this higher end equipment, I mean, it's not cheap, but it does yeah. hold a resale value. You know, so a lot of guys can recoup most, if not all, their money back out of it. Well, um, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think that's what a lot of people don't get involved. You know, they like they won't try, you know, maybe saddle hunting because you're talking about $200 for a saddle. You're talking about $150 for a set of steps. You're talking about another $150 for a good platform, you know. And then, you know, if you if you didn't buy a set, you got to buy your ropes. You got to buy this. You got to. And then so they're thinking, man, if I don't like it. I'm out five, six, seven hundred dollars. What if I don't like it? What am I? How do I get? Well, the thing about it is, a lot of times, you know, it's because I know I tagged Jamie. You know, Jamie, I tagged you in a couple of posts. They were selling some platforms, and I thought, man, the price is good. It's 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 expensive, but it's actually less. It's it's not much less, but it's less than you'd pay retail. Yeah. But you know, I mean, within it's probably ninety percent of retail. Yeah. So I mean, it's reasonably priced. You know, it's not like you're going to you're not going to get it for you're not going to buy it today and sell it tomorrow for half of its value. You. you can sell it tomorrow for damn near its full value. Right. And a lot of that Absolutely. had to do with because getting it is so hard, you know. Yeah, um, yeah supply is just hard to come across. The supply is hard. So yeah. if you get a saddle in today and you try it for two or three weeks or a it month and you don't hard. like it, you put that dude on freaking Facebook on Saddle Hunter page and you can probably sell it for damn near what you it's paid gone. for it in, in 10 minutes. Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna, you know, Venmo everything you the money. I've resold. Everything I've resold on Facebook has not lasted more than two days, and it's it's been sold that quick. That's right. It's I mean, just such a big market. It's such right. a market, and that's just because of supply and demand. Now, some days supply and demand is going to catch up, and you're going to buy it, and you may not be able to sell it for exactly what you, you know, basically what you paid for, just because people can get it from the supplier. But right, right now, supply is difficult. You know. Um, so Seth had to. Oh, Seth is back. Seth, what are you running? I see you messed message me. What are you running um, for your saddle setup? 
so on my saddle setup um i run the road we talked about earlier a couple of years now i've been running the covert light for trophy line uh it was it's been it's been a good been a good system and then my uh my you know it got their dump pouches and everything that comes with it the two inch bridge and everything uh i've run the original ridge runner which is a great which has been a great platform it's been solid as a rock and i started with um the full length hawk heliums and i still have them um but i did upgrade to the uh the lone wolf custom gear double steps uh, the ones y'all were talking about earlier um they're still stripped i got four of those and then i run uh similar to you cliff i do a double uh amsteel aider on my bottom step and then i do a single on the second one and i'm not putting any above that uh I, that's just I'm just too damn long and clumsy to be yeah. trying to trying to go there, you know. And I know you can get in, you can get some probably a little bit better, stiffer quality aiders. But for my system, I'm pretty tall, so if I leg it out, those I can, you know, between aiders and my first two steps, I can be probably 15 foot off the ground anyway, That's and then right. go from there. But uh, yeah, I just, I just do the the double on the first step, and then the single on the second one, and then uh, I take off after that. Yeah, so I'll tell you a story about why my uh, um, mechanical ascenders, Ropeman's. Yep, Ropeman one. Ropeman, Ropeman, dude, Ropeman. If you're going to spend money on anything, you can build whatever you want. Jamie's over here looking at me. If you're going to spend money, buy some freaking Ropemans. Best thing yeah, you'll that, ever buy. That's the only Those thing I've are, really yeah, ever considered to buy. You got, you can't build that Ropeman, Jamie. I don't give a shit what you say. You can't. You ain't. You ain't got I, it to build. I've done tried, one. I've, I've done tried I've two or three different things, things trying the, uh, to. Yeah, and best fifty dollars you'll spend buy you a ropeman. I have two. I have one for my one for my lanyard for my from you know for climbing, and I have one for my tether. And I do they are not for sale. I don't give a shit how much money you got, <laughs> unless I know yeah. I can buy another one. They ain't for sale. I'm telling you. I got a question about the aiders. Yeah, I, I, I use one for my. Yeah. Um, all right, go ahead. Ask your question. We're we, we're all about y'all, that. Y'all running the aiders on the bottom step. Mm-hmm. Do y'all leave it on the bottom I step? Do. I leave mine on the bottom step. So you don't have any issues with with like the wind blowing it and deer seeing it? No, nah, I've never had like an that? issue with it. I don't know about anybody else, but I've never had an issue with it. Um, so if you if you could go back on Facebook, I know you can. If you go back to like the Saddle Hunter page, one of the Saddle Hunter page, I don't remember which one it is. I put on there the video how I built my aider. My my aider is built. Um, it's a three step aider. Um, I built it out of double walled um, nylon tubing, which is like rated for like nine thousand pounds or something. And it's built. I use half inch PVC. So and and it's really simple. You just tie you a, a figure eight knot to make your loop. And you come down and you tie you a second one, and then that starts your your aider section. And you come down and then you really just all you're doing is you go into one you go in and you go in one side of the tubing come out the other side of the tubing the other side goes in and comes out and then you just half hitch them that keeps them from moving and then you drop down the the however far you want to go i think mine are like 16 or 18 inches and then you in one and out one and you half hitch it and then you go down to the bottom in one out one half hitch it and then at the bottom you just do another figure eight knot so none of that can come loose and that's it and it roll and it probably weighs i think it weighs like freaking one pound almost on the money it's super light and I just take that thing I hang it up there and I just hang it and it's just hanging there and then I just you know stick your feet in it and go Um, and then I'm up now I have 
d doubled that. I have used that and then I would take it and then I will hang it on the next set of steps and that gets me, just that right there gets me at like freaking 15 feet. And then I can then I can single, then I can take the steps and do the rest. Yeah. But I'll tell you why I don't use an eighter all the way up. So years ago, it, well the first year I started saddle hunting, which has been, uh, I think this will be my third year this year. This is a good story <laughs> about that. So they had, um, everybody's probably familiar with what they call a rock climbing eighter, right? I'll give a yeah, second sure. to response. Everybody knows what yeah, I'm talking I'm about. I've got one yeah. probably hanging over here. Um, if you want to die, it, that's a good <laughs> that's a good way to do it. Um, so a rock climbing aider is just built where you know it's left, right, left, right, left, right, or whatever. Yeah. And so I was in this freaking big oak tree, um, big white oak, and acorns were they were falling like raindrops. Matter of fact, somewhere on my phone, I have a video. I had a doe underneath me eating acorns, and an acorn hit her in the head. I th I swear to God, I thought it knocked her out that heifer i was videoing her when it happened to be videoing her when it did it she freaking got wobby need for a second that acorn hit her so hard <laughs> and then she just picked it up and ate it but she was eating acorns well come dark i'm trying to get down right and this tree i really shouldn't have been in this tree that's why i don't like i told mike when we were talking about it, i don't climb big trees um, if I can't, if it's not, you know, basketball size or, you know, around that size, I don't climb. But yeah. this was a big freaking white oak, like one you could barely reach around. You probably couldn't reach your whole you know, arms around it. Well, I was coming down in this freaking aider in the dark, and everybody knows what a kick out is, I'm assuming. Yeah. So my freaking foot kicked out. And the only thing keeping me in is I got my lineman's belt around the tree, and my foot, my left foot is in the, in the aider, but it's about about three foot off the side of the tree so i'm like hanging sideways in this tree and i'm telling you when i tell you the pucker factor went from zero to a thousand it went just like that it was zero to a thousand well i got it back and got under control you know because you gotta when, when you're doing an aider you gotta stick your toe in the tree that's what you're that's what keeps you away from it and my yeah. foot just slipped off yeah, dude, I about freaking shit my pants. I swear to God, I was so scared. I thought I was gonna die, man. When I finally got out that tree, when I got home, I took that freaking aider and throwed it in the corner. That's where it's been sitting ever since. Fuck yeah. that aider. I'll See, never I, use that so much again. When I was making my saddle and everything, I made a nader and sweater to do with my steps, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I don't know if I ever made it all the way up a tree with them. Well, I mean, like I said, you know, <laughs> I, never, so I built my own never aider kicked out, literally but. like a week later. I didn't hunt for a week or so after that because I would not get I would not get in a tree with that summit again. And I only had three steps at the time, so I ordered another step, which was my fourth step. Um, and then I, I ordered the stuff off of Amazon. I ordered that double-walled freaking um, – that double log nylon tubing yep. and i built my own and and that's what i've been using ever since i'm very comfortable with what i have mm -hmm. i'm very very comfortable with it a lot of it is about getting comfortable with your equipment yep because if you're scared of your equipment you are not going to get up in a tree and i don't think anybody in here would would argue that point with me at all mm -mm. no and I'm going to pause for a second and let somebody else talk. Well, that's with anything. I mean, ladder stand, climb, or anything. Mm -hmm. If if you're scared of it, you're not going to use it. it don't, that's true. It don't matter. That's sort of like flinching at a gunshot, you know, yeah. for all you gun hunters. You know, you got you can't be scared of your gun. You can't be scared of you. You can't be scared of your equipment. And I know, I know that for everybody. And Michael and I went through this whole process because the first time, Mike, the first time you ever actually really saddle hunted was the week me and you were together, wasn't it? 
Yeah, and like I said, when I I fell the previous year taking my cousin's ladder stand down, so I was scared to death first probably two days of doing it. But, I mean, after you get used to it, it's really, really nice. And what I was going to tell Chris is, uh, if you ever do it or are interested in it, that Tether has you buy this stuff and they've got this program where it's through a firm, you can pay for a year on it. Yeah, that's a good way really? to get into it. Yeah, that's a really good way to get into it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's how I bought my that's how I bought my platform and then those uh, those hooks that uh, Cliff was talking about those rock hooks I bought two of those as well and I pay like 28 bucks a month for a year yeah you can't argue with that there's nothing wrong with that at all most of know? these companies are taking PayPal yeah you can do PayPal PayPal has a payment pro program you know but like I said you know he's right though because Tethered has their own payment program so you can order a full set from Tethered which is like I think everything you need except for the steps is like 350 something like that and I may not be right I may not be correct but it's around $300 and you can pay on that over a year you know and you can just pay that off over over 12 over 12 months instead of having to fork it out all at one time because look it's it's not it's not it ain't always easy to fork out $350 to try something to try something that you don't even know if you're going to like yep. yeah you know that's the that's cool. the problem with it you know, I don't even want to think about how much I've paid to try out saddle hunting this year. <laughs> Man, I don't even want to pay what I look. If you only knew what I've paid just to try stuff out over the years, you know, I mean, uh, somebody. All right, so let me tell you, I had my hand procedure today, so my my hands throbbing, but we're going to power through. But um, I was talking to the doctor, the surgeon who was doing my hand. So it's an outpatient surgery. It's not like they knock me out. They just numb my hand up, and then they do their surgery, the little thing to do the release on it to fix my finger. And we're sitting there talking, and he don't hunt. He sails. And he tells me, he says, um, we're talking about a piece of property. Now, our company, Thompson Flannan Homes, has it listed for sale. It is called, um, oh, good, Caney Creek or something like that. It's like $12 million. It's a whitetail mecca. I mean, mm-hmm. when I say mecca, they grow giants. It's like 2,000 acres, high fenced. It's, you know, got a whole breeding program, everything. It's, it's a fantastic. If you want to buy one, you call me. I'll help you, you know. <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about because he mentions it. I didn't mention it. He mentioned it and so we're just talking about the whole deer hunting thing and everything and he says well if i get into deer hunting at at least i'll save some money and i just rolled my eyes at him and i said let me assure you of one thing if you go down the rabbit hole that i go down the last thing you're going to be doing is saving money (laughs) and he just looked at me and i said man i'm gonna tell you something venison is some of the most expensive meat you will ever eat in your life i said because you don't do it to save money you don't do it to eat you do it because you will fall in love with deer hunting yep it's just what you do yep you know so can you get that on a farm and pay it $28 a month well I tell you what I don't think you can pay I don't think you I don't think they'll take payments of $28 a month for that but um, man it's a it's a great property we, we do have our company does have it listed um, so if you're looking for a 2,000 acre 12 million dollar property call Cliff they do have giants I mean I mean they grow freaking giants take the rest oh, of the year off then huh? do what Mike I said, if I had $12 million, I'd call you. Well, I tell you what, if I had $12 million, I still wouldn't buy that place. And not because $12 million won't. That's just the start. That's just what it costs. 
what the operating costs are. Who knows what it might cost operating costs? You know. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, if I had twelve million dollars, I'm 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 not buying shit. I'm just retiring. That's you right. know, I'm moving to Iowa. <laughs> yeah, traveling. Be hunting somewhere. I'm moving to Iowa because I can get a tag there every year. That's what I'm doing. I always tell my buddies. I said, well, you know, I tell them all the time. If I hit the lottery, which I'll never hit because I don't play it, but if I ever do play it and I do hit the lottery, I'm moving to Iowa. I really am, um, because. It takes five or six years to draw a damn tag. I'm just gonna go be a resident so I can get one every year. I'll buy me a little bit of land in Iowa, and I'm gonna I'm gonna move to Iowa, and then I'm gonna buy me you know a little place down here. Of course, I've got places down here in Mississippi, and when it's like three foot of snow in Iowa, I'll come buy an out of state Mississippi deer tag. It's four hundred dollars. What the hell, you know? But I get an Iowa tag every year. Just buy you a lifetime license before you move up there, and then you there you worry go. About buying See, you smart back. guy. That's a guy. That's a frugal guy right there, <laughs> keeping. Thinking of me, aren't you? <laughs> but I mean, I know we got way off track with uh, well, we were supposed to be talking about what we learned about deer hunting and how it's going to make us better next year. And the next thing you know, we're talking about buying a twelve million dollar property. <laughs> we don't pay. Well, there is no, there is no rhyme or reason. Do what now, Mike? You, 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 you're talking, but I can't hear you. I said the saddle hunting might help somebody later on. It really will. I mean, you know, so like, a, you know, just saddle hunting will do a couple of things for you. Um, first off, you got to get out of a box. If you if you live inside a box, saddle hunting ain't going to fit in it. You got to figure, you got to get out of the box. But the mobility, for me, it's the mobility game. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you can't do that with a hang on, hang on stand. But the mobility game, the ability to... Um, and I don't think anybody on this podcast will argue this point. The ability to look at a pro, at a uh, like Seth was talking about in season scout. Maybe I scout my way into an area and I find what I like, and bam, 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 I'm up in a tree. That's what it brings to you. I've been doing that That's a lot the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, a lot of times do you got to hunt like that, right, Hunter? Yeah, that's that's how I hunted all year. Yeah. And you were saying, Jamie, yeah, that you hunt like uh, that? Especially public yeah. land. Find find a spot that looks good on the map and just kinda scout in. Yep. You know, well, go, even, go in, you know, one, two o'clock. That way you got a little time to kinda scout around and you know, yep. find somewhere and set up. Yeah. So, does anybody else scout map scout? I mean, I do. I map scout a lot. I know me and Mike. We did a lot of map scouting to uh, determine where we were going to hunt this year. Does anybody else map scout besides me and and Jamie and Mike? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, I do. Go uh, You have no. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, if I showed you my Onyx, you would shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I use Hunt Stand, but I mean, Onyx, Hunt Stand, it don't matter what you use, but are you yeah, using same. something to help you to figure out transition routes or transition areas, travel routes, you know, places that you can, you know, hang a stand or go into and, and, and at least see what's on the ground before you make a decision? Yeah. Honestly, uh, every decent, every nice buck I've killed is for the most part has come from uh, looking at an area on a map and saying okay this area looks good or you know uh, the 131 is nine point I killed last year on public land on Mississippi River bottom land I uh, 
picked a spot on a slough last morning of the hunt we're going in and you know uh, going in blind i just knew there was a fuller trail off to the west a ways and there was a lot of people going in so told myself you know well they, they've got to be pushing some deer from there and me some buddies walked in i said hey y'all stop y'all bring your own x up y'all tell me where y'all going right now so i ain't going on top of y'all and y'all ain't coming on top of me and I found this little finger, just a transition line, trans, you know, finger coming off of a slough is what it amounts to on the map. And uh, right here, and I passed up some really good deer sign going to that. And when I got there, uh, and the reason I did pass up good deer sign is because there was uh, human foot tracks in there. But when I got to that point, it was just like a long slew in between two real thick areas. I wasn't hunting no deer sign. It was covering the water. I couldn't even tell uh, if deer had even been walking that. I just, you know, the area, knowing the area and the deer sign I seen going in, I knew there had to have been some deer using it. And I climbed up a tree right there, right where I said I was going, and killed the biggest deer of my life uh, at about, I think I killed him at 9, uh, 10.30 that morning. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, um, I use, like, I hunt family land uh, pretty much my entire life. Uh, I got a, a good little size track up here in the hills. <clears throat> Onyx, a lot for the topographical reasons as far as the the divots of the land. Because, I mean, there's some spots I'll walk in, I'll pick out on the map, I'll study at night. I'm like, man, I, I, I hunted two ridges over that and never even knew there. So I'll go walk in and I miss half of what I saw when I hunted those two ridges over. Um, and that little permission spot uh, land I got too, I do the same thing. Um, I don't really know that land that well. So I rely on Onyx to really just <clears throat> terrain as far as where do I think these deer are traveling? Where do I think they're moving to or where they're bedding at and if I find a creek bottom you know I can go on there and walk down that creek bottom and kind of look and see where all the trails are going in and out of that creek bottom where they're crossing or feeding or bedding or or drinking or eating you know it's just I rely on Onyx a lot ever since it really came out it's 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 helped me out a lot as far as getting into knowing where my deer are at even on the same piece of property that I've hunted, you know, my, uh, pretty much my entire yeah, life. Yeah, Chris, and you know, I was going to say, scouting, uh, if you're not using uh, some type of mapping system, whatever it be, Hunt Stand, Onyx, uh, Google Maps, uh, Google Earth, I mean, uh, if you're not using that, I think, you know, you're, you're making a mistake because there's a lot that can be learned. You know, I, I always, before I go into a property, I might even know that property like the back of my hand and I'll sit in a deer stand and still I'll be on my onyx looking at the next spot. Like, man, you know, and a lot of times I find little things just really digging into the details of them, you know, like, oh crap, that looks like a trail right there. Uh, especially in the marsh. Uh, it's unbelievable. You can actually get on, I can get on my onyx right now and I can zoom in and I can see the deer trails in the marsh and they've been there for years. Uh, and you could go there today and still see those deer trails there. And actually I killed, you know, first decent buck. I said decent, probably 80-something inch deer for South Louisiana marsh. It was, it was a dandy for me, you know, a little seven point. But, oh, it was, uh, you know, they had a bunch of trees. 
bees. I go scout, and what's funny is the area, the people down here, they don't like to hunt on the ground. Uh, they're they're scared of critters or whatever. I laugh at them like, man, imagine a guy's in Alaska, you know? So, <laughs> He's scared of you know, critters. And, and yeah, and so I, I I target, you know, and I and I try to target that when I hunt public land in the marsh. Uh, I, I try to find areas where people there's nowhere to get a, a a tree stand in, and I'll sit on the ground. So I go and scout this spot, and as soon as I step out the boat, and there's a freaking cypress tree. I mean. Uh, you know just freaking tore up fresh and there's a wet fresh pile of buck shit right in front of it well i hurried up and knocked some marsh grass down against the canal set me a chair up kind of put a few sticks there i always had a ghillie top on you know and uh i got out we got some lunch come back was set up by i don't know uh three four o'clock well about 5 30 comes around uh and, and I got lucky. Damn coyote chased a man on me, but you know it, that deer come off of one of those deer trails that I seen on the aerial map. You know, yeah. And you know, and it's uh, that's that's huge. Uh, and I think you're messing up if you're not, especially yep. in season scouting. I, I agree a thousand percent. You, you, if you're not using, you like, like for me. Uh, oh, go ahead, Chris. No, it's. Uh, I was just saying. I also use it for preseason as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I run. I start proteining as soon as the, those horns start dropping. I'll start filling up my feeders, protein, and I protein till about end of August. And I'm, and then I. This year, you know, we're planting more for, uh, apple trees, like we did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna plant another summer plot. Uh, I mean, all that stuff adds up too. So I mean, I, I know when people say you balling on a budget. I mean, uh, you, I just take it one step at a time, really. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I just take you, you. Also, I look right. at the maps as. No, you. Could, uh, I look at the maps during preseason as well. Um, I mean, look, the best time really to scout, and I think a lot of people agree, is during the end season, because when you do find a tree or do you find a good area, you can see what it looks like when the leaves is falling after fall and winter comes that's right you'll know not to get in that tree because you don't have that good background or uh, you actually can go in without even though you know you're leaving scent but uh and i I do the same thing as y'all said earlier as i do you know when rain comes when i know rain's about to come i'll go in there and i'll pre-season scout as far as you know hang a stand or even go set up a camera but uh i'm running cameras and feed all year long um, especially for hogs too, because I'm out hog hunting all year long as well. Um, but uh, the maps help tremendous, in my opinion. And even when I'm dabbling public land this year a little bit up in North Louisiana, um, it's helped out a lot. I felt more comfortable, confident, as far as looking a weekend before, a week before, or two weeks before, and I go in kind of pinpoint. It gives me a starting point onto where. I need to go, and then once I'm there, I can kind of go from there as far as looking at the maps while I'm in the stand when you know, you're not seeing anything, especially the year I've been having. But yeah, uh, well, you don't have to say anything. Kind of, no, <laughs> say no more. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I had a resort to shooting, you know, a yard deer this year. Backyard deer. <laughs> that's right. Backyard does. That's that's right. But that's okay. It's still a dead doe, right? I had to resort oh, to going hunting over corn. I've never hunted over corn. Oh, man, I, I, look, I ain't afraid to hunt over. Look, I'm going to tell you what, in Mississippi, if you ain't hunting over corn, you're missing out because everybody else is hunting over corn. So you might as well. Oh, they they kind of frown on that in the National Forest, though. Only if they catch you, baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> so when you run down a road and see a pipeline, you'll see 15 shooting houses from the road, and each one of them, I guarantee you, got a feed. Got a corn pile. That's right. Every damn one of them. That's uh-huh. the problem with that's the problem with it. But that's also the you know just the way it is. So I was going to say, uh, like for me and Mike, like so the deer that I killed in Illinois this year specifically came from a map scouting, right? So me and Mike said, okay, this is the area that we're going to go hunt at. This he's Mike's like this is this is the area. So I start my map scouting, and when we got there, we're like, I was like, hey man, let's go check out some areas. We settled on the area. A lot of it had to do with wind direction, because look, next year if the wind's blowing from a different direction, maybe we can't hunt that area. But the area that I killed that deer was a pinch point where there was a big ridge and there was a gully that cut into that ridge that sort of funneled those deer around the head of that gully. And that's where I killed that deer at. That was all done from map scouting. Um, like so, like I said, I use on it. I mean, I use a hunt stand. That's that's my preferred map. I like it for various reasons, but I mean, like I said, they're all good. But I use I use hunt stand. Well, I have public land, and that's Mississippi's public land all around me. I have Illinois. I have Nebraska. I have South Dakota. I have Missouri. I have you know um, the deer lease. Uh, I have different maps, and I can go click on that map, and that will specifically take me to the area there. So then I can look at all the different overlays, you know. And I'm and I use my maps to help me determine. Like you know, I'm thinking really seriously about a, a mule deer hunt. It'll either be in South Dakota or Nebraska or wherever. So I've got those maps. And I can do my studying, and that's what I'm going to use to help me determine the area that I want to, you know, where I'm going to go hunting at. I may get over there, and it may be like, well, this is shit. I'm leaving. But at least it gives me a starting point, somewhere that I can start focusing my attention at. And then from there, I'll move, you know, I can go left, I can go right, I can go up, I can go down, I can back up and punt whatever I want to do. But the map scouting is what gets me to an area. If it hadn't been for map scouting, maybe we don't kill a deer, you know? Mm-hmm. Map scouting got yeah. us where we are. Yeah, it's 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 super important. And like uh, Chris said, uh, preseason it's definitely important during preseason. I didn't mean just uh, you know in season scouting. I said that because you know guys like me, uh, you know I, I work you know Monday through Thursday. I get Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to hunt. And if I'm going into a new property, you know. I, I'm basically going in blind, so I, I need to try to find something. You know, I, I don't like to do a whole lot of in-season scouting. And I do, I do it a lot, and a lot of times I catch myself like, dude, you're just going to have to pick a tree to hunt sooner or later, you know? So a lot dude. of times I just pick a spot on the map and say, all right. I'm I cannot tell right. you the times that I have stood in the woods Here. and stared at different trees and going, I don't know what tree to get in. I'm just standing there. And I know I, this overwhelming desire, this this innate, this, there's something in me that you have got to get your ass in a tree. And I can't decide which one I want to get in. Do I want to get in that oak? Or do I want to get in that pine? Or do I want to get in that hickory? Or do I want to get in what damn tree? I don't know what tree to get in. I just I just stand there. I'm frozen. I don't know what the hell to do. Do it all the time. I, I literally pick a fucking tree, Cliff. Just get in one. <laughs> And then you, then you pick camp. one and climb up in it, and then you can't see nothing I out of get, it. That's, that's, and that's the problem, because that's my fear. I climb. I, damn it. I, I got to make a decision. I'm going to climb this tree right here. I get in that tree. I get 18 foot in the air, and I'm like, fuck, I can't see anything. There's a limb in the way over here. There's a tree in the way over there. I have no shooting lanes. And then I want to just get down and go get in another tree. I don't know what the hell to do. 
Yeah, I ruined my hunt Saturday uh, <laughs> doing that, you know, and I went to a property I hadn't hunted in a couple of years and went in there, went in by Piro and I got out the boat and it's slapped full of deer sign. I mean, I couldn't walk five yards without stepping on a pile of deer shit. Curiosity killed the cat, had to go see what's over the next ridge. I get in there and I'm talking about it's a freaking jungle. I mean, the palmettos are so thick and the bamboos drawn up. I'm like, man. I'm scared to try to get out of this shit in the dark. So I walk back. I finally, I'm like, all right, climb this tree right here. And, man, I sat there. You know, I made a midday hunt. And I started thinking. I'm like, well, crap, I'll walk straight down the deer trail. It's cutting through the woods right there. And, you know, uh, if there's one thing I hate, I hate walking. I don't walk. I don't hunt after I've done walk where a deer could come from. You know, I had makes me so mad at myself to do that. Yep. I walk somewhere and I'm like, damn, my deer's going to come down this trail and I got to walk back 20 feet to freaking get in a tree. Yeah, I, I despise that. You know, I listen to Dan Infall a lot. And he really. Yep. I'm not a I'm not a huge damn fan. I don't think it applies. Well, it probably applies to the way you hunt. I don't think it applies well to the way that I hunt. But he hunts a lot of swamps, no, so it probably applies not. a lot to you. Yeah, and it, it does. He actually helped me kill uh, the, two, the two real nice uh, marsh bucks I've killed of yep. using his tactics. Really yeah, because he does. He's, he's like and, a and marsh deer like hunter, Matt. Yeah. He is. He's really good at the marsh yeah. deer hunting. But I don't hunt in the marsh, so it yeah, doesn't really I, apply to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and that's why I got away from the hunting Pawnee Woods for several years, and I'm probably going to get back to it this year, do a little more of it, um, is because you, they can bed anywhere. I mean, you're not going <laughs> to – it's rare that you're going to say, okay, this deer is bedding right here, and I'm going to go sit up on that deer, you know? Oh, no, because they got a 70-acre 70, 70 cutover. They can, hunt in, they can bed anywhere in that 70-acre cutover. So you're 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 restricted to transition areas, or feeding areas, or travel routes, or stuff like that, where they come out of the cutover, maybe from the from the pines into the hardwoods or something like that, and that's what you're hunting. Because yeah, that dude could be bedding freaking ten yards from you in the woods in the cutover, or he could be bedded freaking ten miles from you in the cutover, and you don't know. And around here, they'll yeah, they'll just pick a ridge anywhere. And just lay up on well, it. Well, I will say this. Like, in the National Forest, <laughs> there are ridges they bet on and ridges they don't. And it's just a matter of time and a lot of times busting deer. You got to be doing your scouting and you have to jump one to go, oh, okay, this is a place they bed. Because you'll walk a, you'll walk 10 ridges and never see it, never see a bit of sign. And then you'll walk a ridge, see some sign, and then jump a deer and you know, okay, well, this is where they bed. They're, they bed there consistently because of wind directions or whatever. But I will say this It's not random as you think it is In the National Forest When you jump a deer I can I can tell you that they consistently bet in that area because you'll have areas that, that are just devoid of deer. You would think, well, hell, it's three hundred thousand acres, is, you know, and you walked freaking a damn square mile and didn't see a bit of deer sign. They just don't use that area, yeah. you know. So you got to figure out which areas they're using. There, there, there's tricks to that, though. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, Hunter, but that's Seth can Seth. You can probably, I mean, because I know the area that I know the area that you hunt. I know what the terrain's like over there. It's the same thing. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I mean, I'll let him finish. But yeah, I'm just. I'm bursting at the seams. Listen, to, listen to some of this stuff. Because oh no, go, go ahead. Seth. Yeah, okay, same. Same. No, I, I'm. Just, I mean, I'm just saying. It's. Uh, I'm glad to hear that the same challenges people experience the same challenges that I do under the same terrain because I, it's easy to get discouraged. And uh, you know, I, you know, you're talking about you know putting on different tactics and things like that. Listening to the, some of those folks, and I, I think you know, it comes down to. It's it's great to listen and it's great to I think you have to keep it in context and think conceptually and not literally uh, when it comes to that thing, when those type of things. But, uh, but you know, Cliff, is that exactly what you were saying? Uh, man, I was I was just. Uh, 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 yeah, it was, it was driving me nuts listening to you talk about the National Forest because a lot of the places that I hunt, um, and especially around here, I, the deer numbers are just different. And you might, and you know, and this ties into the whole map scouting and all this kind of stuff. So sometimes I'll go in areas that really should hold deer, and they should deer should be there, and they're just not because. The, the numbers just aren't available. Or um, yep. Or the, it, the food it, source is not there or the yeah, bedding is just, not there I mean, or whatever. And you could have a couple of, you know, but and I think you could be going there saying, oh, well, you know, this is a, uh, this is a east to west ridge, you know, or uh, what we called, we were referring to them as Mississippi ridges or Louisiana ridges because they're like a foot high, you know. No, or, Louisiana ridges. Mississippi ridges yeah. are at least 60 foot. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, we, we do have some of those rises and, you know, and you can find some of those. You try to get on the uh, leeward side or you know and there may be a private you know cattle pad. Yeah, you can some of those areas that'll you know when you kind of combining those features and sometimes you get there and i know this past year i went i was so excited to go hunt this area and i walked just did a stalk hunt like a kind of like a, just a stalk and uh, scout hunt all at the same time waiting to find a, the right tree to get up and I walked for six hours and I found one deer track that's that's and right it, that's part of it, it too and it was just like there's just no deer in this chunk I, and honestly I really honestly believe that I mean some people be like, oh no there's a big one in there somewhere I, I, you know what you, you did right. you eliminated areas those exactly. are areas that you eliminate so you can say hey yeah. you know what I did my scouting I didn't find what I'm looking for I don't go back there let's go no. find some concentrated deer sign somewhere yep. yeah and that's that. that's man that's just it, it rings so true to me and I as, at least I'm glad to hear that because that's a because sometimes you wrestle with your own thoughts and, and struggles and it's good to hear it come I mean, I grew too, up in the so. National Forest. I grew up hunting public land. I've killed some great deer. I've killed a couple in the in the you know pushing the one fifty mark. Um, I've killed some great deer. I've seen giants. I mean, even for South Mississippi, when I tell you giants, I have personally held multiple deer that went over one eighty from the National Forest. They can grow here, but those deer, there's deer right now. I, like I, said, I live, I'm surrounded by the National Forest with three acre, 3,000 acre track right behind my house. I can promise you right now that there are a couple of 180s in that 3,000 acre track. But they probably haven't seen a human in 10 years because they live in places that people don't go because that's how they get to that size. Yep. 
and the only way to find them is to do what you're saying you got to eliminate a ton of freaking ground to find those few places that have the sign that puts you in a place where you can say okay you know what my odds are probably better in this area or whatever but i've eliminated this freaking whole four or five hundred acres or whatever i walked it i freaking beat it down to the ground i didn't find what i was looking for but over here i found a couple of rubs i found a couple of scrapes i found what i was looking for that tell me that deer frequent this area so now i'm going to put myself into a position where hopefully i can find you know deer movement you know um it is hard. Yeah. It damn sure ain't easy. And the, the National Forest is, hell, I got a place, uh, I'll tell you this, uh, we talked about this on an a earlier podcast like a couple weeks ago. Me and Lee put a camera up over, over a scrape. We were riding around drinking beer. I pulled the camera like a month or so after we put it up. Surprisingly, it was still there. I had more pictures of people than I had of deer. Yep. That's it. I had more pictures of people than I had of deer. It's just how heavily pressured that area is, you know. But if you go back in so, there uh, deep enough, you can find a giant. So I got uh, what Hunter was saying about uh, walking down deer trails and stuff. Um, not knowingly, but, you know, it just happened. And I'm not really a firm believer in what you call uh, – Infom- I'm not really infomercial sell- uh, buyer, but like, you know, there's some products out there that are just like, you know, what the hell, you know? Um, but I was in Kentucky at Outfitter um, and I was hunting and there was only one way in on this stand that they put me on. It was basically just a trail that they would ride down and put out corn and, you know, check cameras and stuff like that. And I was in the bottom of kind of a two big mountain ridges. And, um, we were in a well we lost track of time at the lodge we were actually playing an intense game of uh basketball with some amish guys <laughs> and uh <laughs> the guys came like amish hey, man, basketball it's, it's 318 we you know we gotta go that's oh, stuff threw it in the guy's truck and man i got there till they dropped me off and i was getting i'm the type of person especially when i was doing that i got dressed um in the woods um, because there was a lot of uh smokers in the in the lodge, and I was like, I'm not wearing my hunting clothes all day and smelling like smoke, so I'll just would change and then all that. So, um, I got dressed out there in the field, but I thought about, it, I was like, oh crap, I forgot my my hunting boots, and all I had on was my stinking work uh, boots, and I was like, well, I said, I have this uh. Evercom deer herd and a stick that I use. Mm-hmm. I remember that stuff. And I, I just put it on the bottom of my boots. I put it on the bottom of my boots, you know, and um, I walked down down the road and into the stand and not within 30 minutes, you know, I had a couple of does of the corn and, and about 45 minutes later, I look up the same road and I say about a 135-ish nine point and I was like, I know he smelled me. Like, I, there's no doubt about it. He's got to smell these boots because I can smell them from here, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but he walked that ridge, that, that trail, and the only thing that kind of went wrong is he knew, he knew he's either saw somebody from that stand, you know, he, he knew. I, the wind was blowing to my face, so I knew he really didn't smell me. I mean, my boots didn't stink that bad, but, <laughs> um, 
I so he knew where the stand was, right? Was up, so he never gave me a shit. Yeah, he knew exactly where the stand was. So they can preach about, you know, this, you know, they constantly preach to me that this is unpressured deer, unpressured deer. But I mean, you're running a, a high, high known outfitter mm-hmm. in Kentucky that, you know, uh, I know was hunted hard, you know, but he, he knew I was there. But that right there kind of convinced me that of a product that, I mean, I mean, I know, I know a lot of people probably use it on their listens, and I know a couple of buddy of mine, they still swear about it, because, I mean, I swore about it right then and there, was he walked the same trail, the same, the, you can see where the, the tires were going down on the grass, and he walked the exact same with his nose to the ground, and uh, I knew if it was, if I didn't have that on, I honestly think he wouldn't even popped up, right? and I just, I, I've used that product, and you know, Louisiana, South Louisiana down here, it's a it's a different it's a different animal. Um, uh, but I can tell you, I know at least during the rut, I experienced uh, hunting some public. First year, I started hunting that public property on the Mississippi River bottom that I keep uh, talking about. Uh, I went in blind on an area first time i ever stepped foot in them woods and man they had a bunch of guys on four wheelers muzzleloader hunting and my buddy wanted to walk like three miles and i'm like dude you've lost your mind i'm not <laughs> walk up with me so i got you know back to back to map back to map map scouting and whatnot i got i don't think onyx was even out at, at that time i think i was on google earth that's what i, I used before earth, that was google earth running off court. Uh, got got off the uh, they had a little creek running off the Fuller Trail and I said Casey I don't know where the hell you going but I'm going down this creek right here and he kind of looked in there and laughed said, good luck with that I mean it was it looked thick once I got in there I mean as soon as I stepped on the side of that creek I mean it's just a bunch of deer tracks so I walk about 200 yards and it's starting to get daylight on me I like it and I need to get up a tree so I climb up this big oak tree like they never got in it uh, hunting in a lone wolf climber I had to plank across it I don't know how many times to freaking adjust the bottom of my stand <laughs> but uh so I get up the stand and about 9 20 something that morning uh i had no idea there was a deer trail running 15 yards just to the side of me i'm facing the creek hoping a deer is going to walk the edge of the creek well these two does just pop up out of nowhere 15 yards from me and well the wind was blowing right at like right where that deer trail meets the trail that runs along the edge of the creek she smelled me and I used to follow scent control and all that and that's when I really kind of they didn't freak out and blow or nothing freak out and bolt out you know but so she turned around and walk, was going to walk out the next one came and I was I actually had a shot at her but it was a very small window and uh, I just didn't feel comfortable so I didn't take the shot so they, they back out and I'm like well damn that was pretty cool and I'm talking about the two biggest those I've ever seen in my life so and it's rut you know January first weekend of January so probably three minutes later I hear what sounds like an antler hitting a palmetto and I'm like ooh I know what that is 15 inch 10 point or better I, you know I call me Michael Jackson I don't know but this sucker comes in hot on these those <laughs> That's trails That's and funny. the ground and when he got when he got to the last the first door Ahead. I know damn well. I mean, it's a strong northeast wind blowing. Well, he was in my scent trail, 
and that deer never once picked his nose up. He hit the end of that doe's trail. Where'd she go? And he turned back around and was nose to the ground back after them does. I, he, I don't think he paid any mind to my scent because he was so worried about those damn does. And this deer was every bit of four and a half, five years old. You know, and I've heard a lot of cases of, you know, scent products. And hey, look, I'm not knocking it. If it works, if you think it works, whatever gives you confidence, you need to do it. I'll agree with that. Whatever gives you confidence. Yeah. Confidence, yeah, confidence is key, man, and everything, you know, in most aspects of life. Uh, so, but just to say, you know, what's, what's, you, you never know what a, what a wild animal is going to do, you know. At That's the right. end of the day, we're hunting wild animals. And, so they do some weird shit that you wouldn't think they would do. Um, but that's all I- no I think that's right though I mean so you're, you're right the confidence area having confidence I use a, I use nose jammer sometimes I don't use it as regularly as I should but I do use nose jammer I think that it does I think it overloads their olfactory sense I mean I don't think it covers your scent I think that it overloads them so um, the, the, yeah, the premise be- I use that as well yeah the premise behind nose jammer is that it overloads their sense so your nostrils can only really process one scent at a time so if it's um a bad fart that's all you can smell right i mean that's the only you don't smell anything but that right mm-hmm. when somebody farts that's all you yep. smell right you don't smell the steak cooking or you don't smell anything else that's all you smell the strongest scent the premise of nose jammer through what i've heard about them is that they do the same thing it's an over it's an olfactory overload so it overloads their scent their overloads their nose so that all they smell is that they can't smell you it's not that your scent's not there that you're they're just overloading it now i know mike is working with um some guys um what is it um stay invisible nose down is that who it is and stay invisible. I yep. do stay invisible. They're they're a scent eliminator company. Yep. And then goes down is a cover scent. Yep. They've got a lot of, and I've, I mean they've got calm down. They got bedding area. Yeah. The nose down sense that. So we got to get I mean, those guys. Mike's going to help me out. We're going to get we're going to make contact with them. We're going to get them on the show one day, and we're going to have them come on here and, and talk about what their products are. They'll be the first product that you know, like client we've ever had. They'll be the first ones because I'm. I mean, really, it's about deer camp. So, but I want to hear what they have to say because they're they're a startup company, and I want to see them grow. You know, and if Mike believes in them, then I believe in them because I believe in Mike. So I trust Mike. Um, so if he believes that their products are good, I I, I really believe in their products. Um, over the uh, over the years, I've tried different companies, and I'm and even if I wasn't with them, I would recommend to anybody nose down. Their scents are true to what they say. Red apple smells like red apple. Orange smells like orange. Yeah. Why do number one? That's my thought, but. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm all for that. So we're gonna, me and Mike are gonna work on getting them to come on here and, and shoot the shit with us one day. But um, I mean, 
I don't know if we actually even, you know, we touched on our topic a little bit, you know, the things that make us, that are going to make us better. But actually, I, I just enjoy the concept. I mean, I just enjoy the content, guys. Um, we've been we've been at this for right at two hours. So, um, you know, everybody's got somewhere to go tonight. Somebody, you know, there's a there's a there's a child who's wondering if Daddy's ever going to come out of his little room right now. Um, so, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, and, and then Seth's probably still at work. Seth, you still working? Seth may not even he may have had to go to work. I mean, he may not even be here anymore. But anyways, guys, um, we're gonna we're gonna call it for the night. Um, and I just I mean I love the concept. I love the con. I love the content. I love the talking. Just shooting the shit. I love to hear the stories about the deer that you know walked down your scent trail and didn't and didn't bust. And and uh, you know that's what that's what this is really all about is just shooting the shit and enjoying each other's company. Um, it's just so awesome that you know we've got Mississippi, we've got Louisiana, we've got Texas. We've got Illinois. Um, John had to go. John messaged me. He had to go because he had something come up um, from work. But you know, we got West Virginia. Yeah. Um, we got guys from all over the place who are who are putting the and we all suffer with the same damn problems. You know, Not seeing can't deer. pick a tree, can't pick, can't see a deer, getting busted by the wind. You know, I mean, it, it's it's the same problem wherever we go. Um. So when you're sitting here in your tree stand and you're thinking. I've got to be the only person that looks at a tree and can't decide what tree to get in. No, you're not. There are thousands of us who can't decide what tree to get in. We're all there, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when, you, when you're talking about, you know, when you're wondering if you did the right thing, well, there's thousands of us who don't know if we did the right thing that day. You know, so we're all part of the same family. We just, we maybe we hunt differently. You know, maybe we hunt in a different state. Maybe we don't hunt out of a saddle. Maybe we hunt out of a lock on or a climber or a box blind, whatever. But we're all in the same family and we're all going through the same freaking problems. You know, we're all trying to kill a freaking big buck and we all suck at it. So, <laughs> yeah, that's funny you say that. I'm just sitting here thinking about the math of it. Uh, the countless hours and days. I don't I even want to know. Don't do the math because Damn. if you do, I might quit. Don't. In six, in six, in six years, I've only got it right eleven times. There, <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's exactly right. So don't don't run the math because if you run the math with the money that you spent and the hours that you spent and the time, you know, and the things that you sacrificed, if you do all that, you'll quit deer hunting. Don't run the math. It's not worth it. <laughs> no, it's, hey, man, it's all about enjoying the outdoors, you know. That's right. That's right. So, guys, um, we're going to call it for the night. It's uh, we're right at two hours, man. That's you know, I, I, I could I could talk about this stuff all night long, but it it you know, everybody's got families to go to. You know, even if you're listening, you got at some point in time you gotta you gotta go home to your family too. So, we appreciate you listening. Um, can't thank you enough for tuning into us because we're all just a bunch of knuckleheads who love to deer hunt. And uh, like I said, you know, we we used to say you can't kill them on the couch, go deer hunting, but except for Chris and Hunt deer season's freaking over so y'all two go deer hunting the rest of us you know um start thinking about next year because it's coming and it's coming faster than you think um until then we'll see y'all next week guys we are out of here it was a complete shit show 